Hi, I'm Bruce Tolgan, author of The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, published by Harvard Business Review Press. And this is The Indispensables, a podcast featuring conversations with real go-to people who stand the test of time in the real world of work. Each week, I ask my guests what they do differently that sets them apart in the workplace, what makes them tick, and what makes them so successful. Happy New Year and welcome back to The Indispensables. We took a little break over the holidays, but we're back for 2022. Uh, My first guests in 2022 are Peter Klein and Kevin Bryant from Educated Change. Welcome to The Indispensables. I'm Bruce Tolgan, and today I have Peter Klein and Kevin Bryant, co-CEOs of Educated Change. This is a mission-driven business that these gentlemen founded. Wait till you hear their story. Gentlemen, welcome to The Indispensables. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Bruce. Great to be here. Can you explain a little bit uh, about Educated Change? Let's start there, I guess, and then we can get into your individual stories as well. Educated Change is 11 years old this year. We started it with the intent of helping older people, in other words, people over 40, learn to communicate on social platforms. We came to that because Kevin had been in the banking business. I'd been in the computer software business. What we were seeing is this Twitter, Facebook, all coming into existence back then. And there was a large number of us that looked at it and said, oh, that's for college kids or just young people. Lo and behold, my college age son at the, at the time who was home and I was working on a business problem, which was how do I get a new product to market, a new software product to market? He said, well, all you got to do is put this on Facebook. We did that. And then six months later, we sold that company purely because we were, be able, we were able to become famous in our space. And so from that, what what was the conclusion that led you to Educated Change? I realized that I had to rethink the traditional way of working. Go back 10 years ago, even go back a couple of years ago, you're going to launch a new product. What do you do? You hire a PR company, you place a lot of ads, you wait for that to reach distribution. It's very expensive. And what I learned during the selling this, the last company, we can become thought leaders by publishing for zero cost what our thoughts were. And in this case, it was about sustainability. Now, we were very early in that market. Some of the larger companies were looking for solutions in that area. How do you manage and measure your carbon footprint? What we found is, is traditionally to print the articles, to get them out to press, would have taken a year. We were able to become thought leaders in three months but all through social media. So uh, Kevin, how did you get involved in this whole thing? So Pete Pete and I were friends for for a long time uh, through church, church group, a group of managing directors getting together, talking about big and small issues of life, kind of supporting each other, a lot of expats. From there, long story short, sprung of friendships. Pete was one of the people, I was there, and I always liked the way he thought. You know, if someone said the sun was coming up, 
this morning he would say, yeah, but let's think about the moon for a second. What happened to the moon? Or, you know, <laughs> green's a great color. Well, why do you think green's such a great color? What about black? Well, black's not, you know, so he would always ask these sort of very provocative questions. And he was kind of, he was kind of, let's say, kind of a cool dude. I thought he was kind of cool. And so anyway, we struck up a friendship. The, one of the great stories of the story of our company, to me, one of the greatest stories is the fact that our friendship has deepened this has been and talk about mission driven this this is as much for me it's a, a mission about the relationship that we have pushing each mm-hmm. other to become better people and so that we can also do what we do with the other people the other story which is which is more that educated change is not just about our clients educated change is about the people who have come to work with us the family that we've We'll work in our customers. And so we called our office and our friend and our, a lot of our customers call our office, the clubhouse, because it's a place that you can come. In fact, every Friday for the last 18 years, a group of anywhere between six and 10 people get together and talk about life from 7.30 in the morning for an hour. From that... Again, the our relationship was we were sitting around on Friday. Kevin had retired from banking, and he was shipping. Actually, done shipping. So I'm I did, sorry, yes. sorry. I did banking for twenty years, and then got into shipping. Another story for another day, perhaps. And and then after that, retired in theory at a, at a young age, but thought, okay, I'm going to go off to the sunset and do some other things, like Tai Chi. Like Tai Chi, yeah. exactly. And that's when I started teaching. And I've been doing Tai Chi for a while, but it's a lot about one of our mutual friends always talks about we all need an operating principle. For some people, maybe, for example, it's Christianity or it's any number of different sort of life philosophies. For me, Tai Chi became a big part of who I am and how I go about work and relationships and all that sort of thing. Anyway, so it was a great time for me to to kind of study and really start to gain and pull a lot more from that practice. And I was one of his first students. Exactly. Here. It did well for a while, actually. He was doing was, really well. I was there, I and I enjoy it. But the reality is, when, when I think back to our first customer, and it was Norberg D'Antresango, which was a, it's a large French trucking company. We, we got together and I said, hey, Kevin, I'm doing this workshop. Can you join me? Because you're going to love this stuff, this social media. And he's very good in his communications. We get in the workshop. And one of the things that we believe is that you've got to bring everything to life. Don't sit around. Movement's important. Our, like I say, our workshops are very active when we do them. And this very first one, Kevin took the whole room on every break through Tai Chi moves. Excellent. If you stop and think about it, what is Tai Chi about? It's about how do you anchor yourself? How do you ground yourself? It's it's networking on a different level. Sure, it's putting putting your your your, your roots into the ground, right? Uh, being able to connect, being able to connect your center into the earth, right? You yeah. got it. You got it. And networking with yourself, right? And nervous system your, you know, your sensory, all your sensory pieces coming together, but also being able to then connect with other people as a, as a martial art and, and a way to have relationship with other people. 
So Kevin comes out of uh, banking and shipping and Tai Chi, and and Peter comes out of what? What you were traveling all over the world before you you started Educated Change, right? Yeah, I've I worked for some I worked for some very large company uh, companies, and I think you could think of me as a dyslexic person who can't sit too long. Change is important, and so I was in the software business, either set mostly selling or running software companies in the past. When we look at social networks and how you need to, if you want to be good at it, what do you have to do? You have to listen. That's the most critical part. What is it that's being said by who and with what intent? Listening is just pulling data in. And what do software programs do? They pull data in. And so our ability to look at data, listen to it, and then tell our customers where to go is why we're so successful. So that, that is the background, that in supply chain. And so when we looked at this, what is supply chain? It's communication. And so as we looked at this company, we said, well, how do we help people connect? Because it's in those connections that the magic happens. So you say you, you you stopped scrolling and started listening and that changed your life and and you make digital marketing and sales easy. That's that's the that's what educated change does. So how do you do that? There's a couple ways. It depends on what what is what it is our customers are trying to do. Now we work with most of the major consultancy companies. Back to the big four, three of them use our software because people don't have time. The executives we work with, the thing that they're short on, we're, all of us are short on is time. We help them listen to markets. We then tell them this is what the data says when they're trying to, to sell into whatever market they're trying to sell into. And then we have probably the best writers in the world put together content for these people that address their market. If I can go back a little bit, a couple of steps. I think one of the first, the first things we do, it starts with listening to the client, understanding what it is they want to achieve. That's always the starting point. Before we start talking about technology, we start talking about you need to be on LinkedIn or wherever. What is it you're trying to achieve? And this is, I think, one of the things that's really special about our company and, and the relationships that we're able to build with intimate relationships with a lot of our clients to understand what are their hopes and dreams? What, what, what are they trying to do for their companies and what are they trying to do for themselves? And, and who are they going to do it with? Networks will keep coming up in this conversation. Networks are critical. Networks are key. Who do you need to either grow closer to? And then from there, once we understand what they're about, and we have this concept we call the famous four. So a lot of it ultimately is about branding, their personal brand. For a lot of people, they haven't really thought of themselves quite in that way. I know it's kind of a, it's almost a hackneyed term, but a lot of people who are very senior and very sophisticated don't quite think of themselves as a, a holistic brand. A lot of them think about, okay, I'm leading the sector, I'm a life science person, or I'm a tech person, or whatever the case may be, but don't necessarily think of themselves from what we, we consider sort of four quadrants. What are you famous for? So what's, you know, what's your job role? What do you what do you do day to day? Two, what's your area of expertise or your areas of expertise? Some of them may not be on the professional realm. So they might be, for example, they're you know world class uh, longboarder or something like that. But any of these things become obviously part of the brand and things that we can use to help them connect with other people to help them engage. 
Third piece is obviously the sort of personal life. What's their personal situation? What do they like to do on the weekends? What do they like to read? What do they like to do for fun? And then part four is what we call legacy. And you know, Pete came up with this great phrase. He says, how are you, you going to leave the world a better place? That, you know, in part, it fits with our own personal mission, which is that we want to work with people who want to do great and good in the world. But also, of course, it, it pays off. People who care about more than just their nine to five, that pays off in terms of growing and building their networks. Exactly. And if you stop and think about, you know, we in real life, if someone only talks about golf or baseball or, or their job, you kind of shut those people off. So that famous four is about how do you get to those four quadrants and then the why behind them. As we think about legacy right now and our year of COVID, what I think I'm reading anyway, what people want to work for is purpose-driven companies. You know, when we start this relationship with an individual, we have an interview process that oftentimes leads to tears because they realize I've only been focused on work. I'm not helping anybody. And now with COVID, you know, people are saying, well, I want to work for people who are going to save the planet or are going to, you know, help the underprivileged, whatever that might be. So we find, so the interesting thing about this conversation, Bruce, is with the client is it really helps them a lot. Most of them, not, not all of them, a lot of them are already kind of well ahead, but I think it helps them sharpen their own understanding of what it, why they're here. <laughs> What's their purpose in life? What's their purpose in the role? And uh, as we go through the process of creating profiles and writing their story, it really starts to highlight for themselves, okay, this is who I am and this is what I'm trying to deliver. Before we get into posting content, before we get into like product and output, it's about helping them build a more laser-like sense of who they am and who they're trying to, to connect with. What are their key messages? What's their elevator pitch? All that kind of stuff. We even say about like a LinkedIn profile, for example, we, we ask the question, you know, who is the most important person to see your LinkedIn profile? And of course, you know, most people might say, uh, well, it would be IBM or it would be the CEO of this company or that. And so we say, no, actually it's you. It's you because you're looking in the mirror or what? You're looking in the mirror and what, you know, are you painting the picture of the person who you see in the mirror or are you painting a picture of the person who you'll see next year in the mirror? So, so I can already see the effect because you two are both kind of understated in this uh, confident way. And, um, and I can see how, you know, you must bring this out of people. This is why that's yeah. very, very quite insightful of you, I suppose, to, to see that. And, and that's not, I don't know, we don't think actively about it, but we really enjoy, I mean, having that conversation, that first conversation with the client or the prospect is just, we love it. We love it. And we have right. ones that we know after that conversation, they're not going to be successful in this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you tell them? Do you tell them, like, put your checkbook away or, or you wait till they write the check first? Well, we, uh, we just did that a couple of We weeks. just did that. We, yeah, so the answer is yes, we do. And part of it, though, is if you stop and think about, we always learned in marketing, oh, you got to have an elevator pitch, right? So imagine that you've got one for your personal life, you know, and then your professional life, which is all the jobs. Why did you have all those jobs that you've had, Bruce? Where has it led you to? Yeah, I've never had a job, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
Nice. I did see that. You've been doing this a long time. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I was a lawyer for 428 days, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll forgive you for that. <laughs> the uh, But then, you know, your thought leadership was, well, well, why do you have that? Right? Why, why is that important? And, you know, as people begin to, to really sharpen their messages around there, then they become very powerful on social media because they can walk the talk and they believe it. So, so in other words, like you're trying to pull some kind of authenticity out of people. But, but it sounds to me like also you're, you're first you're trying to get people to do some self-exploration. Absolutely. Yeah. The best, you know, some people, frankly, you know, not to scare people away who say, oh, that sounds good, but I don't know if I'd want to have them getting into my, you know, in, insides. It, it, it's we, we take what's given or we help as much as people want us to help them. Some people are sort of standoffish and we can read that, you know, pretty quickly and say, okay, they just want us to go for the data or they just want this piece. Okay, we'll give that to them. But for those who are willing to open up a bit, and really start to share a bit of their hopes and dreams, we can really create magic. So it sounds like it's one part therapy and like self-actualization and one part data-driven business intelligence. Literally, we've had people tell us that this is like the best therapy session. And yeah. one of the things we say to our guys, we say, we want that call that you have with your client to be that one call they just really love, they look forward to. I know these people educated change. They're lovely people. They listen to me. I feel special. But yes, that married with data, absolutely. That's yeah. a killer, we think it a is. killer combination. And so then you look at the data and am I right that you 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 find patterns in the data and then you use that to sort of project forward of what would be good cause and effect scenarios? Well, yeah. So if you stop and think about it, if, if I have this idea that I want to get out to the world, I first have to listen to the people I'm trying to sell it to. And what language do they use? Because I may have different acronyms that I've that I've got and that I've grown up with because I'm come from America, but I live in England. So I have all this history in my communication. So the first thing is we listen to the markets they're trying to sell into. We then say, so to get your acronyms there, first use theirs. And then once you have their attention with their language, introduce them to the new terms. We live in this attention economy and we are trying to, you know, everybody's carrying one of these phones and how do I get your attention? How do I keep it and then move it? Because in any market, if you think about buying products, only about 5% of that market will be actively looking. And that number comes from Gartner. And so you've got 95% of the people that you've got to stay front of mind. So when they get ready that you're there. You're already in there. You're already in their head. We're going to take a break for a minute. Um, uh, Peter Klein and Kevin Bryant, co-CEOs of Educated Change. We'll be back uh, in one minute. Hi, my name is Chris DeFirio, and I run a coffee podcast called Keys to the Shop. But it's not just a podcast to give insights, inspiration, and tools for success to coffee shop owners and operators, but it's a place where we discuss concepts, best practices, and topics that apply 
widely to the world of small business. So not only do we bring in coffee experts to talk with us on the show, but we bring in outside coffee industry experts, like for instance, our friend Bruce Tulgan, whose work I constantly recommend to my listeners and clients and has been a frequent guest on our show. So whether you're drinking uh, coffee, tea, or whatever, you can follow us on Instagram at keys to the shop. And of course, find out more over at our website, keys to the shop.com. I hope you give keys to the shop a listen and that what you hear there will help you in your professional development. And of course, give you keys to the shop. Okay. We're back to the indispensables with uh, Peter Klein and Kevin Bryant, co-CEOs of Educated Change. So I want to ask you, uh, this has been so interesting about Educated Change, but I don't want people to get the wrong idea that it's just therapy, right? So what, what, what what's the deliverable in the marketplace? So we come to you, you help me look inside, understand myself, get ready to look in the mirror when I look at social media, and then marry that up with data. And then what happens? Yeah. So, I mean, so ultimately the therapy session is intended to help us get them, our clients closer to their clients and, and to get their messages out there. It starts there. That's, that's an hour or two. And then we go to let's, okay, let's build a strategy. Let's build a plan. Even if they don't want to do the other stuff or want us to execute, let's help you build a strategy for how you go after those people who matter in your business life. We spend a lot of time after that conversation, we have get great data, great insights about where the person wants to go, certain, you know, as, as nitty gritty as who are the people who you want to connect with, who you, you don't connect with all, already. Um, what are the companies? Sometimes uh, we'll do the, the hard work. We'll still line up, okay, there's these 20 companies I'd like to get close to in these functions. And then we'll do the hard work of researching who those people would be. And adding those to the you know the list of people who we're going to help execute connections around, if you will. And then, of course, it's about how am I going to engage? Engage. What messages am I going to bring to these people? What types of content's going to be relevant that speak to the the brand, the personal brand who we've been focused on, and to the people who they want to connect with? It's many pages um, for each of our clients, each of our individual clients. But there's one page in particular we call the digital engagement plan which is kind of the digital baseball card, I like to call it, which kind of tells everybody, us and the client, where we're going, the roadmap for success, the roadmap for executing on their plan. Once we agree that, and that's usually a couple, few weeks in the very beginning of the relationship, once we agree that, socialize it, blah, 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 then we go to execution mode, which is we use what we call a content guide, not to get too bogged down in our own lingo, but we put together a weekly set of emails, basically, that go to the client with content ideas, with engagement ideas. And depending on how quickly and how deep the client wants to go, how broad they want to go, you know, it might be once a week, could be three times a week, could be every day. It all that's where it becomes more bespoke. And so we help the client ultimately, again, get closer to the people they want to get close to. Um, in social, it's not about just selling, you know, there's this word social selling, you've probably heard that. But of course, you would never want to say anything like I'm selling something to you on social if you unless you want to get shut down or you want people to stop connecting with you so there's something it's called pre 
presuasion. Perhaps you've heard that term. So presuasion is um, very similar to, uh, it's almost, I'll use the going to the extreme of subliminal advertising, right? So the good old days in the 60s when before it was outlawed, you know, you'd go to the drive-in theater and you'd see, you're watching the movie and then up with flash a picture of a of popcorn or, or a hot dog or something and then you'd go you know mom dad i'm getting hungry that kind of thing right and that that was outlawed because it was considered so powerful and too powerful and, and, too yeah. powerful and dangerous this is the work of robert cialdini who is a professor used to be at asu i think he's retired now but it's how do you get the audience ready for your message what language what do you have to do in order to get their mindset so they're receptive to your message soften them up soften them up would be another way of saying it yeah like if i if i want to get somebody into my cult first i got to convince them everybody else is lying to them right (laughs) (laughs) well i wouldn't go that far but um, (laughs) this is this is really about how do you define your messages how do you use the right tone for the audience you're speaking to. What data and tone do you have to deliver this so that when they are reading this, let's say six months before they're ready to buy, that when they get ready to buy, they remember, oh yeah, those are the guys who are experts in change or whatever it is you're selling. In terms of your execution, do you all have people who uh, sit at terminals and put out content? Yep. We've got a big team of young, smart folks who do that. They curated content in particular, finding great, great articles, getting them framed and ready to go for our clients, hashtags, mentions, all that stuff, and then packaging it up in what we call these content guides that they get on a, on a weekly basis. Who puts it out? Do you guys actually put it out into the channel? Um, it depends on the customer and in the platform, but basically what we're trying to provide our customer is something that they can review in 10 minutes and say, I like it, go. And then they can either cut and paste it into their own, but it, the whole idea is we want to make this so you don't waste time because we know you, we know who you're trying to get to, and what you receive, you can possibly modify it. And so you're, you're, you're basically putting together from the inside out a whole engagement program, a social media content program. Correct. And then, yeah. we, and then we, each week, our digital coach will have a conversation with this person and he might say or she might say, you know, I'm, I'm going to speak at this event. And so the digital coach then would say, okay, I'm going to connect you to the other 20 speakers. I'm going to send a a note to him to say, love to have a coffee with you during the breaks. And so you're, again, you're trying to create conversation with thought leaders, industry influencers, and build that, build a network rather than letting networks happen to you. Let me ask a question. Uh, How many people are on your team? Um, we are, we're global, number one, so we have op- offices in the Philippines, India, Minneapolis, people in New York, Chicago, and of course, London. There's a little over 50 right now, uh, 52 to be exact. And your co-CEOs, what's it like to be co-CEOs? I never imagined I could come to work with my friend and have conversations, both personal as well as business, and of course, Every business eventually has some kind of, I want to do this. I want to do that. 
right? I mean, that's, they tell you, you shouldn't work with friends and family. They tell you that. And also I always tell people, co-CEOs, usually it doesn't work, but obviously it's working for you guys. It's working. In fact, it works so well that in the, just in the last 12 months, we've doubled in size where we're really effective is we're able to hold both of our thoughts in the same place. We, uh, we have a joke. I mean, some of this will sound a little bit freaky, I suppose, for, for a podcast like this, but we, uh, we, uh, we have to make the joke of mind melt. So, you know, we work, we work remotely, of course, there are different locations. So there'll be a, a Zoom call or something. And Pete will be on the other side, putting his finger here or something, and sending, sending, <laughs> sending thoughts literally. But I, I can't tell you the number of times that where uh, uh, we've like mirrored exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. That's exactly. We just had this conversation the other day about something, and I was saying, "Geez, I didn't want to say this because of that." And he says, "That's funny because I was just had my head finger up here. I wanted to make sure you didn't." And uh, so anyway, we have. You know, I, I don't want to get try to get too too out there here, otherworldly. But one of the reasons, and people should hear this, those who have heard me say, be careful about working with friends and be careful about a co-CEO situation, unless you can read each other's minds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, as people, in other words, we're always picking up signals, whether it's facial signals, whether it's seeing the little bits of sweat, as we mirror each other, you feel, you feel the other person and that's human. That's you're, you're going to, everybody can do that. Assuming you can learn to, to pick it up now. What's, but again, I'll come back to this because, you know, there was a point where we came up with a product, well, let's create a digital business card. And I wanted to put all our money into it. And Kevin was like, well, I'm not, I don't want to spend my money that way. A normal co-CEO, one of us would be mad at the other. But in a very, I call Buddhist tradition, we are able to say, let's let that just sit there, not attach emotion to it. And eventually we were able to see that, you know what, that's not going to work. But Kevin would never say, hey, I told you so. I mean, but what I'm hearing is, I mean, different people would call it different things. I always tell people I find it much harder to read minds now that we're uh, doing things remotely. But to your point, maybe it's because I can't smell them. Uh, because there's something I'm missing, some kind of data I'm missing because we're not in proximity to each other. But 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 it sounds like whatever you call it, chemistry, like mindedness, uh, you guys have a way of cooperating at a high level on decision making. Well, and again, it's it comes back to we're in this world of constant change and our, our name educated change. So how do we think about a problem? that we're educated on, that we know as much as we're going to know and not be stuck in that's because we always did it that way. But how do your, your 50, your team of 50 people, how do you obviate, you know, if, if one of them gets an answer from Peter, they don't like, they go to Kevin. If they get an answer from Kevin, they don't like, they go to Peter. How do you, how do you get around that in terms of just chain of command? It happens. I mean, I think a lot of it's, you know, over having worked together for such a long time now. Well, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it isn't that long, but you know, 11, 12 years, you get to know somebody pretty well and his friends before that. You, you just develop a rhythm and you develop, a, you know, you know that some things Pete makes the call and it happens. There's a conversation. Sometimes I make the call and it happens. Other times we know, hey, I better, I, I want to talk to Pete. Not not because I want to have the, the power to make the decision. I want to bring my friend, my partner into this, uh, into the tent 
and and Pete does the same thing all the time. And I think people learn and so and respect that. But there is certainly some chaos that happens. And we think in terms of in terms of an organizational model, we we call it educated change metaverse model. Okay. All right, everyone. Uh, uh, we're on the edge of our seats. The educated change metaverse model. And what is that model? So it's the recognition that it's it's all chaos. There's, there's actually nothing real. Everything is, you know, in business especially, it's all chaos. And regardless of what it says on the piece of paper, like I report to John and, or Sue or whatever it is, you know, power relationships occur naturally. And so we think more in terms of uh, the solar system. And the fact that, you know, most org charts are focused on, well, let's see, who do I report? Do I report the CEO and then the the CFO and and, and this cascade of reporting relationships? When really for us, the most important thing clearly is the market and our clients. That's who we work for. That's who we report to. That's who's paying our rent. And then the relationships around, it's literally like planets. You know, we're we're a pretty big planet. The office of the CEO is, a, you know, you could say it's got a lot of mass. We think in terms of mass, mass being experience, mass being an intellect, mass being power, personality, mass being character. All those things go into creating a certain mass that's natural. Be Forget about the fact that we, we have COO on our on our door. We we come in to relationship with a certain power, with a certain level of influence. And and so sometimes we're going to be circling, making a wide circle. Sometimes we get real close to the client. Sometimes we're we're way out here because it's really down to our digital brand managers, our partners who are on the ground every day to, to manage those daily relationships. So they're circling, right? But at any one time, anyone in this system may have more influence than somebody else at any one time because they've got the information, they've got the knowledge. So it's it's a recognition that this is all fluid. It needs to be fluid. As long as we keep the the, the, the client at the center of, of things and as long as we hire people who are good people. And if they are kind of relating in a similar way, there are going to be times when someone says, I'm going to step back. That's for, for Alec, or I'm going to step back. That's for Megan. So you're able to bring your you're able to bring your recognition of the sort of uh, fact that airtight relationships, uh, clarity, uh, linear direction is all somewhat of a fiction. You're able to bring that awareness of that fiction uh, into the reality of your how you run your organization. So instead of trying to sort of navigate those what I find to be relatively useful fictions in most organizations, uh, you guys are sort of embracing the fluidity and the lack of clarity and uh, just uh, navigating that. Exactly, and, and you know every sun all of the universe has gravity or pull. And so if you think about if a, if a, a digital brand manager is a planet revolving around the sun, that's a client, the planet has moons. And those are people that resources that they need. Everyone has power in this, in the system, right? I mean, it's physics, whether you're a small body or a big body, you still have influence. You still are exerting your, your gravitational pull against the larger body. <laughs> But in our metaverse, and why one of the reasons we call it a metaverse, this is virtual. And so in some cases, it can happen instantly. Yes. So the change, someone's mass can can change very quickly based on knowledge and information. And so suddenly they've got a little bit more pull than somebody else. And they might get sucked into a black hole 
where there's a whole other universe, and that might be a new customer. As we've started, we've got multiple products we sell. We have our the service we describe, but we do a tremendous amount of training, education, and public speaking. And so this this model allows us, allows people to develop basically their own solar systems if they want. I mean, I got to say, I've had some uh, uh, musicians on um, and I've had uh, uh, some people from the theater on. And for a couple of uh, like serious zillion dollar business guys, you, know, you guys are by far the grooviest people I've ever had on. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> Thank you. And, you know, and again, this is where this is where the co back to your co-CEO. This is where it's really good, because as we were growing very rapidly this last year, we were like, how are we going to deal with this? And then Kevin comes up with the, the metaverse and boom, we say, let's try it. And it seems to be working. I mean, it's the way we've worked to this point. And yeah, it, it will. The test will come and as we get bigger and bigger, there will be more and more pressure for people to, I want a line, I want to do, you know, I want a box, you know, that kind of thing. But we're going to fight like hell against it. And I think, you know, ultimately, uh, I, th- I think it, I think it'll work. It's all down to having the right people, you know, having the right people uh, who trust each other. There's a real family spirit here. Um, and that's that's core. That's the other piece, which is really core, our culture. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, often I find this sort of I call it the genius founder model uh, that organizations glow, uh, you know, grow like crazy under the genius founder vision. And then at some point, the question is, is it scalable in this vision or does it have to grow up? Does it have to get less groovy? I guess you guys will be the test. But um, but but here you are, you're running a digital agency focused on reputation management and social selling for senior executives of global firms. Peter comes out of, you know, building software companies and selling them. And Kevin uh, uh, comes out of banking and shipping. I love that. And not only are you a Tai Chi master, uh, you know, you've also been a a championship soccer player and Peter's uh, traveled all over the world. What is it um, before you got together to do this or your groovy business uh, metaverse and, and all that? Um, but what what is it like if you were to say, what is your secret of success individually? My secret is really about how do we help people change where I think the most important thing for all of us to think about that I apply to myself is how, by adding ing to everything I think about. Let me phrase that because typically in a business, we want to be successful or I want to be happy by adding ing to that i'm successing because i'm not because success is not something you reach you're always in it happiness is not oh i'm happy and then no if you're happy then i might move to if i've had a problem i might be satting for a little while i might be thinking about the past i'm pasting but if we stay in verbs or the ing makes you stay in the present moment so, so this is all, and you mentioned Buddhism before. So the the, the gerund, uh, gerunding everything with ing. I, I'm hearing kind of a Buddhist tingle there of staying in the moment. The less time we spend, the employees spend on worrying about the past or the future, the more they can stay agile with their customers. So when a customer says, they'll say, "Well, how am I going to know if I'm successful?" Well, every day you're going to be successing. Because if we don't do this today, 
you're not going to see the results in six months. Uh, that mixed with how do you have fun? Because if you, if it's not, if you're not enjoying it, it's over. So, so Peter's rule is uh, add ing. Uh, so you stay in the present. I love it. That's a, that's a great uh, that's a great secret of success. Uh, how about you, Kevin? What's your secret of success? Um, well, I, I like to start with uh, in a tribute to my mom, who's sadly uh, no n- not with us uh, anymore. She used to say, and I think a lot most people's parents, if not mother, used to say, "Eat right, get plenty of sleep, and get some exercise." And you know. It really is probably one of the greatest truths of, of all time. You know, if people and you go through, if you really had an honest you know, moment with yourself, you'd say, you know what, actually, I'm not sleeping very much or I'm not eating very well. You know, if you take care of yourself, that's where it all starts. And so the other part is sort of the spirit. So there's mind, body, spirit, right? Look after your mind, your body, but the spirit. And so, you know, certainly at this company, we don't expect that people are Christian or Buddhist or whatever it is. But it does help to, to believe in something that's, you know, if, if, you're rooting, if you're only rooting for yourself, you're rooting for a dying cause is the phrase that I, I love, right? <laughs> yeah, that's good. And so <laughs> you got to, you know, connect with something that's bigger than yourself and then find who, who am I ultimately? Not that we can totally answer that question maybe in a lifetime, but having some sense of what, what, who, what am I about? What is it that's going to make me live my soul's code? Great book from from years ago, the soul's code. And so once you marry that, then you're, you're dynamite. You're, you, you know, all that stuff, the basics your, your mom told you, your dad taught, taught you. And then, you know, knowing yourself, having this connection with something bigger. I mean, how can you not be successful? Whatever success means. Live your soul's code, stay connected to something larger, um, I love that uh, Kevin's uh, secret of success is easy. Just mind, body, spirit. You know, what else, man? And Peter, add ING, stay in the moment. Uh, those are great rules of success. Uh, Kevin Bryant, Peter Klein, co-founders and CEOs of Educated Change. Thank you for being guests on The Indispensables. Thank you. Well, thank thanks you. So and much. thanks for the energy you bring to the room. Yes. Oh, thank you. I'm doing my best, uh, In my next episode, I have Lou Adler, the hiring guru. If you've been paying any attention, you know that the talent wars are heating up and Lou Adler is the man. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter at goto underscore podcast. That's at goto underscore podcast. Learn more about GoToism in my new book, The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, available now from Harvard Business Review Press, wherever books are sold. And you can learn more about our work at Rainmaker Thinking by visiting us at rainmakerthinking.com. Until next time, stay strong and stay indispensable.